This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. You know him from hits like Raising Arizona, Leaving Las Vegas, and Moonstruck. He's also starred in cult classics like Vampire's Kiss, Face Off, and Mandy. And he's the subject of lots and lots of memes. You know who I'm talking about, the one and only Nicolas Cage. Who are you stealing? <clears throat> what? I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I lost my hand! I lost my bride! Johnny has his hand! Johnny has his bride! You want me to take my heartbreak, put it away, and forget? You can never, never ask me to stop drinking. Cage was born to play his latest role. That's because in his new movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent... He plays himself. It received a rare 100% fresh score from Rotten Tomatoes after appearing at South by Southwest. Here's a preview. We got another offer. What's it about? You head to southern Spain and you attend a wealthy gentleman's birthday party. I would never do that. It's a million bucks, Nick. I'll take it. It'll come out next month, so today we are taking a closer look at the living legend's career with librarian and Nicolas Cage expert, Lindsay Gibb. She's also the author of National Treasure, Nicolas Cage. Lindsay, welcome to Reset. Thanks for having me. So excited to talk to you. Before we get into his history, Lindsay, I want to know when your journey with Nick Cage started. (laughs) Well, it's really hard to pin down. It's kind of a culmination of things. Um, things like going to film school and watching Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese's bodies of work and, you know, seeing Nicolas Cage and Rumblefish and bringing out the dead, mm-hmm. um, being really into David Lynch and seeing him in Wild at Heart, which then became one of my favorite films. And then, you know, loving Charlie Kaufman's work and seeing him in adaptation. And I think it was really then, it was adaptation that was the moment where I connected. Ah. But this actor was in so many of my favorite movies and was the main actor in all of these movies. So that combined with people disparaging him, saying that he'll do anything for money and blah, 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 and that he's a bad actor, and knowing from evidence that they were wrong. So I really wanted to dig into why he makes the decisions that he does and learn more about his approach to acting in order to argue better that he's one of our greatest actors. So I'm curious, is that what it takes to to become an expert? How does one become an expert, especially an expert of a (laughs) well-known person? I I think I'm an expert because uh, Vice Magazine wrote an article about my book and called me an expert, so I've just ran with it ever since. (laughs) Okay. uh, I I mean, obviously it takes research. It takes uh, watching, in this case, all of his films and uh, just paying close attention. <laughs> the film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, it hasn't come out yet, but as a cage expert, Lindsay, I am mm-hmm. sure that you have thoughts. So what did you think? <laughs> I have lots of thoughts. So uh, when I first heard about this film, uh, it was, I guess, a couple of years ago now, and I did not like the idea of it, mainly because I think I would just spent years of my life taking him very seriously and defending him um, against accusations like that he would take any role or do anything for money because, you know, whatever, tax problems, blah, blah. And this movie was really playing up that idea that Cage would take a million dollars to do anything some rich person wants him to do. However, I have majorly lightened up since then. (laughs) And I think that this is actually sort of the culmination of everything that he strives for. So 
He's always looking for new opportunities to be challenged in his acting, try different genres, try out different techniques. And I think that this film gives him that. I, at least I really hope it does. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, he's known for, for all of the things you, you mentioned. The movie seems to be making fun of those things. And, and the whole concept for the movie sounds very self-aware. So it, yes. is he in on the joke? I think so. I think there's been moments, uh, like particularly when talking about certain films of his, where, you know, like uh, Wicker Man or something, where people are like, oh, that was a bad, that film was bad and like, it didn't mean to be, and then he's like, I mean, come on, you have to know that the approach that we took in, like, putting a thing on my head and storing these inside, yeah. like, that we knew what we were up to. Yeah. I don't think he's out to make bad movies. I think he's out to, like, just do different things with movies. Yeah. Let's talk about his acting style. Uh, first, sure. let's listen to an SNL sketch, though, that, that riffs on his technique. This is the one where Cage plays comedian Andy Sandberg's clone. So only one of you is currently starring in Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, which opens this coming Friday. That's right, Seth. It is not to be missed, for it has the two key qualities of a classic Nick Cage action film. Number one. All the dialogue is either whispered or screamed. (laughs) And the second quality, the second quality of a classic Nick Cage film is that everything is on fire. But uh, Nick does seem to have two levels. He's either whispering or screaming. So talk to us about that. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, talking about his acting is what I love to do. <laughs> so I would say he's described uh, in his acting style in many ways over the years. So words that he's used and coined are nouveau shamanic. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is western kabuki. So essentially, they're both approaches to acting that involve taking inspiration from unique places. So thinking a lot about not only creating a character, using like motivation and backstory, sort of actorly things, but focusing heavily on things like movement and sound, often, you know, taking an operatic or what some might call over-the-top approach to his characters. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, his mother was a dancer, and I don't know if that was an influence, but he does think about movement a lot. For example, in Adaptation, he plays two characters who look a lot alike. <laughs> they're both played by him and they're twins. Mm-hmm. And they're not made up to look super different, but he makes them different by not only the voice and energy that he brings to each character, but by the way that the characters move. Um, and he does that throughout all of his films. All right, well, let's listen to another clip here. Here is uh, Nick Cage breaking down his audition for the role of ex-convict H.I. McDonough in Raising Arizona. I must have auditioned for that movie about 20 times. Joel and Ethan, um, they would laugh every time. But then they would say during the audition, we're laughing, we can't stop laughing, but we don't know why we're laughing. So what is it, what's the secret sauce here that just makes him so weirdly funny? Um, I think it's that he's just never boring. That's essentially <laughs> Well, that's it. good. Um, I think that it's both that he's not afraid to go big or what, you know, you might call over the top with his acting. And he's completely earnest at the same time. So yeah. he's not being ironic. And that's, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to get across in my book that maybe, you know, caused me to initially not like the idea of unbearable weight because, you know, there's no irony in what he's doing. Yeah, he I, earnestly loves creating characters, and I think he's just not a big fan of naturalism as a style. Yeah. So he finds other ways, like more surreal ways to approach his characters. 
And, you know, it stands out in Hollywood and it sometimes makes people laugh. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And, and you know what? I strive to get that in my Twitter bio, too. Never boring, for sure. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's talk about Vampire's Kiss. That came out in 1988. He plays a book publisher who gets turned into a vampire. So let's listen to this uh, famous scene where he's venting to his therapist about a document getting misfiled. How could somebody misfile something? What could be easier? It's all alphabetical. You just put it in the right file according to alphabetical order. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. So there are a lot of opinions about his acting performance in this movie, Lindsay. But, you know, again, it's become a bit of a cult classic. So what else can you tell us about this film? Um, it's my favorite. It's my absolute favorite Nicolas Cage movie. I think that it is exemplary of everything that he's done since. I think it was his, like, opportunity to go as experimental as he wanted with something and really make the character himself. Like, I love him in Raising Arizona, but it's my understanding that the Coen brothers really, like, had a huge influence on everything that he did in that film. So, Vampire's Kiss feels like real Nicolas Cage. And that's your favorite. (laughs) And that's your favorite. It's my absolute favorite. I think it just, it tells you everything you need to know about Nicolas Cage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, the film National Treasure, which you uh, name your book after, that was a hit, but it almost, it seems like an outlier compared to the rest of his movies. How did he get that role? You know, I wish I knew. I'm not sure if there's a whole story about that out there. There probably is, but uh, I don't know off the top of my head. However, if I were to speculate and from, you know, reading what John Turtle Bob, who's the director, has said about it, um, he wanted Cage. And this film was in development for three or four years before it went into production. And he said that waiting for Cage was worth it. So someone had a vision for him to be in it. And he did it. Yeah. <laughs> and Turtle Cobb has worked with him on this, the second National Treasure and on Sorcerer's Apprentice afterwards. Well, here's the thing, Lindsay. We wanted you to have company in this conversation with me. So we did ask Nick Cage to join us for this conversation. <laughs> but his agent told us that he's on location right now for another movie. So, of course, he had right. to decline. <laughs> Remind us, though, how many movies has he done? So right now, he his IMDb stands at 109, but five of those are in some level of production or development at the moment. So there's 100 and what, five? No, <laughs> my math is terrible. Four, I think, that uh, exist. A lot of movies. And since I wrote my book, which came out in 2015, uh, he put out 31 films. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That is, that, yeah. That's almost unbelievable. Uh, why, why is he doing that many why? movies? So I think it's just that he loves to act. You know, some people will argue that he needs some money, and I don't think that it's that. I think he loves it and wants to find ways to experiment and try new things, and just doing the work is the way to do that. So yeah. I can't imagine him retiring or switching to directing or something like that. Well, well, he has directed. He directed a movie called Sunny, but that's his only directorial. Uh, well, work be, beyond so movies, uh, here's another gig for him. He's a he's a celebrity meme. Uh, he's yeah. a meme celebrity, right? <laughs> How did that start? Again, I think it's the whole like he's not boring. I think that it's uh, that he does try different things, and there's something about the fact. 
that he can kind of be any character. I kind of say that he's the everyman in my book, and so he has the ability to cross genres that really, you know, cause the explosion of memes around his face on things. So people like putting his face on other actors and on objects and animals, and it just works because he isn't afraid of being ridiculous and he's transformative. He can be all kinds of different things. Do you know how he picks his projects? Sorry? Do you know how he goes about picking projects? Um, I think that's a great question. I mean, there is an element of he has certain genres that he hasn't tried, that he's always looking for. And one thing that he's talked about in a few interviews over the past, I don't know, five years, is he says he wants to do a musical next. Oh. So you might see him doing a musical just because he's put it out into the world, but oh, that's cool. what he wants to do. But I would say that, like, that's when I was writing my book, he hadn't really done horror films. And then, you know, he's done Mandy. He's done Color Out of Space. I think he's done a few other films that you could consider horror since then. So yeah. I think that he's just yeah looking for new experiments. He's versatile, so I think for that's sure. how he picks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've uh, got to go, Lindsay. But uh, I wonder, what should we check out this weekend? What's your recommendation? Oh, boy. Which Nicholas Cage? you go back and check out this is the 35th anniversary i hope i got that right of um moonstruck and you played a clip from moonstruck at the beginning and i was like singing along um it is one of his greatest so i'd say go check out moonstruck all right well that's Lindsay gibb a nicholas cage expert and author of the book national treasure nicholas cage thank you Lindsay. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.